KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Monday, May 16th. Reactions to the superintendent's racially inflammatory comments. More on that next, but first... Let's do the headlines. Bans off our bodies. That was the rallying cry at more than 300 protests across the country over the weekend. Thousands gathered in downtown San Diego on Saturday to demand that a woman's right to choose be maintained. Between four and 5,000 people filled the area in front of the Hall of Justice. The crowd was so large that it spilled over into the federal court plaza across the street. Among them was Dr. Mariana Salerno. It's really human rights, it's about equality, it's about women being treated as citizens and humans, really. About 50 counter-protesters showed up. As of Sunday, the San Diego County jail system is rescinding its zero bail policy. It was a policy that set bail for certain misdemeanor offenses to zero during the pandemic. It was meant as a means of keeping the overall jail population down. When the policy was put in place, people already in custody for the same misdemeanor offenses were also released. According to a statement from the San Diego County Sheriff's Department, there's been a significant decrease in the county jail system's COVID-19 cases, and that played a part in the San Diego Superior Court's order to rescind the zero bail policy. Soaring inflation triggered California's minimum wage increase. The minimum wage will go up to $15.50 an hour next year. The increase will benefit about 3 million workers, and it's required by a state law passed in 2016. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org. In the wake of the San Diego Union High School District Superintendent Dr. Cheryl James Ward's racially inflammatory remarks regarding Asian students, KPBS Race and Equity reporter Christina Kim says many Chinese American parents are divided. During a DEI board meeting last month, San Diego Union High School Superintendent Dr. Cheryl James Ward said this when asked why data showed the district's Asian students excelling academically. We have an influx of Asians from uh, China, and the people who are able to make that journey are wealthy. You cannot come to America and buy a house for $2 million unless you have money. She later elaborated that family finances impacted academic achievement. Because when we look at socioeconomics, it plays a major role. Following these remarks, several Chinese-American parents have spoken out against the superintendent for what they see as a harmful and inaccurate portrayal of Asian American students and their families, like at this school board meeting on April 20th. Okay, I support black people, African people. Thank you for your comment, your time is up. Let me finish. Thank you for your okay. comment, your time yeah. is up. Because, because, I think, sir, all thank the you people for your comment, your time is up. So you should be first, you should be first. 
So far, the dominant narrative on social media and in the news has been that all of San Diego Union's Chinese-American parents and guardians agree that James Ward, who is black and currently on administrative leave, should be fired. But the community is not a monolith. And in the wake of the incident, parents have divergent views on what they believe the best course of action should be. Right now, I feel like a lot of the parents, especially moderate parents, are really got intimidated by the by the fierceness they're seeing at the at the school board meeting. That's Albert Lang. He's a legal guardian of an incoming Canyon Crest Academy freshman. He says the fallout from the incident has divided San Diego's Chinese American community. He believes the apology and healing plan James Ward emailed to district families is sincere. He wants to build solidarity and learn from the situation. To have this more moderate and cohesive voice trying to unite other minorities in the community to collaborate with everyone. Lang fears a lot of the controversy is being fueled by misinformation being shared on WeChat, the Chinese social media app which many Chinese American San Diego parents use to share and translate district news. It's not hard to identify the kind of cultural wars that have been waged on people and also just the purposeful distortion of information. Lang says he's also sympathetic with a contingent of parents who say too many resources have been squandered on the district's lawsuits and a revolving door of superintendents. You know, just wasting the money on something that's really both unnecessary and, and, and political, which is really not what many parents are looking for. However, many parents feel the only way forward is for James Ward to resign. Among them is Dan Dan Pan, whose children graduated from Canyon Crest Academy. I don't know how she can continue in this district with, with this damage being done. Um, I personally believe there's a saying in Chinese that you really cannot put the broken mirror together. Pan feels James Ward's comments, whether intentional or not, erased her own experience as an immigrant pooling money to be able to go to school in the States. I came to the States 30 years ago. My parents borrowed the money from about 50 people, $100 each, so $5,000, to pay a quarter of my University of Michigan tuition. And that erasure and that hurt, which is at the center of the community's reaction, is something Leah Tao, another Canyon Crest Academy parent, understands all too well. They see us as foreign and a little bit exotic and maybe a little bit out of place, that we're not part of the community. Tao actually sat down for coffee with James Ward, whom she had never met. The two ended up speaking for hours. She came away convinced that all the focus on James Ward obscures the more important point, which is that these issues are multi-layered and need to be addressed through conversations, not screaming matches. I feel like these conversations take a long time and I don't want to see it as like, you know, you don't see my point of view and that's that. It's also not lost on Tao that what's happening in the San Diego School District is a microcosm of the United States specific racial politics, which have long pitted Asian communities against other communities of color as model minorities. You know, you're using Asians as like a standard for how minorities can beat all odds and achieve greatness. So telling other marginalized groups, hey, why can't you do the same? Why can't you be like them? She says all this has her thinking about the 30th anniversary of the Rodney King riots in Los Angeles, 
which severed Black and Korean community relations for years. I think all people are focused on is let's fire Dr. Ward, but they don't see all the history that is all connected. On Thursday, the San Diego Union High School District Board of Trustees is scheduled to meet again. And parents and community members from across these various perspectives are planning to attend to make their voices heard. Christina Kim, KPBS News. The nationwide shortage of baby formula is leading to some parents to try to buy breast milk from neighbors or strangers on Facebook. But that's not safe, according to the director of UC San Diego's Breast Milk Bank. KPBS reporter Claire Tregesser says the bank vigorously screens its breast milk donations. The UC Health Milk Bank primarily serves mothers who couldn't carry their babies to full term. UCSD's Milk Bank does provide milk to some babies at home, but at a price of $4 to $5 an ounce, which could add up to $6,000 a month. Given this high cost and the formula shortage, parents might be tempted to buy breast milk through social media. Director Dr. Lisa Stellwagen says that's not safe. The milk hasn't been tested, most particularly milk that can be obtained from a public site or on the internet. Um, that might be shipped or handled improperly could be put a baby's health at risk. The UC Health Milk Bank is looking for more volunteers to donate milk, and Stellwagen says the formula shortage is a good reminder how great the need is. Claire Tregesser, KPBS News. If families are looking for formula for their child, they can first try smaller stores or pharmacies or order off legitimate retail sites online. They can also call their child's clinic or doctor's office for assistance. The Biden administration's effort to terminate a controversial Trump-era policy appears to be in further jeopardy. A federal judge said Friday that he'll soon make a final decision in a case challenging the administration's plans. KPBS border reporter Gustavo Solis has more. Title 42 is a policy enacted by the Trump administration early in the pandemic that has been used to turn asylum seekers away from the border nearly two million times. It gives Customs and Border Protection agents the ability to turn people away without due process. President Joe Biden promised to end the policy on May 23rd, but a federal lawsuit is trying to keep that program alive. The federal district judge in Louisiana who is overseeing the case has hinted that he will rule against the administration on procedural grounds. Pedro Rios is an activist with American Friends Service Committee here in San Diego. I unfortunately anticipate that the ruling will be to uh, continue to uphold uh, Title 42. Rio says that this is part of a larger strategy of conservative lawmakers using the courts to enact immigration policy. I think what it represents is that there is a, a failure of, of due process and a failure of checks and balances in the U.S. government, where one judge decides that thousands of people no longer have the right under U.S. law or under international agreements to seek asylum in the United States. Gustavo Solis, KPBS News. Coming up, the first Mexican-born woman to go to space. And if you're wondering what Space Force does, we'll have that story next, just after the break.
I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. gets to go to space? The answer to that question is beginning to become more inclusive and diverse as more institutions and organizations consider who will have access to the final frontier. KPBS race and equity reporter Christina Kim spoke with the first Mexican-born woman that'll go to space as a citizen science astronaut. Ever since she was a little girl, Katia Echezareta always looked up at the stars and dreamed of going to space. Even my middle name, is Celeste, uh, which means of the sky. So uh, it's just been a part of me for my entire life. And now that dream is coming true. Echezareta will be traveling to space on Jeff Bezos' Blue Origin rocket ship as a citizen scientist. Born in Guadalajara, Mexico, Echezareta will be the first Mexican-born woman to ever travel to space. It's an honor she doesn't take lightly because she's confident she won't be the last. I am someone who is just like them, and if they want to, they can be just like me as well. Echezareta will begin space training a week before launch. The launch date is May 20th. Christina Kim, KPBS News. The U.S. military has been involved in outer space for decades, with the Air Force and other military branches taking the lead. But about two years ago, Congress created the Space Force to take over most of those responsibilities. Eric Schmid of the American Homefront Project traveled to Colorado to see some of what Space Force does. Oh, that's a good, good signal. A small group of cadets at the U.S. Air Force Academy is training to become guardians. That's what the military calls members of the Space Force, the newest service branch. That may conjure up images of rocket ships, aliens, or warriors fighting in zero gravity. In reality, the work looks a lot like a desk job in front of a computer. Alpha signal acquired. Alpha frame stats is scrolling. In a room no larger than a typical office, six cadets monitor two sets of computer screens waiting for a satellite to fly over. They download the data from it and check it for problems in the few moments they're connected. Alpha rate damp faults, 301 cumulative, 51 max. Two satellites orbit over the academy north of Colorado Springs a few times every day. They give the squadron of about 125 cadets practice managing objects in space. Master Sergeant Philip Shane says it's similar to the kind of work the Space Force does to protect troops on the ground. We have several constellations of satellites that do IR sensing, right? So we're looking on the Earth and trying to find heat signatures from various different missile types, and that's all we're doing. We're tracking those and giving our troops downrange enough time to duck and cover. Next door, the Academy recently revamped the teaching labs to include new computers and flight simulators that resemble the controls in a cockpit. Image 1-2, watchdog, bullseye 264, 
it still spells brand new, which is really awesome. Major Catherine Brewer is an instructor at the academy and says the institution is shifting to meet what the Space Force needs. Obviously, we put out a bunch of great pilots from the Air Force Academy, but we also now need to focus on future operations, future technologies, future disruptive technologies, a lot of which are going to come from the space area. The creation of the Space Force recognizes this different reality, that the environment in space is no longer benign. Major General Sean Bratton leads the command that trains and develops Space Force Guardians. He says some countries see what the United States gains from its technology in space and want to take that advantage away. We see electronic warfare capabilities being fielded, a spacecraft that can do harm to another spacecraft. And then things from the ground that shoot into space and destroys the spacecraft. We've seen both Russia and China test those. If that ever happens, it could affect more than the military. For instance, one of the Space Force's responsibilities is protecting the satellites that make up the GPS system, which we use in our cars, on our phones, and many other ways. GPS provides a timing signal that we use for money transfers, for example. We use GPS in agriculture for automated farming activities. That's on the civilian side. Right now, a lot of the Guardian's work is firmly on the ground. Guardians won't go to space. Uh, Certainly not anytime soon, anyway. Even so, many people are excited to be part of the Space Force. Cadet Caitlin Roberts enrolled in the Air Force Academy to become a pilot, but changed her mind and is now planning to become a Guardian. It was a hard battle to choose between the two, but ultimately I was thinking, you know, I'm going to spend my pilot career just waiting to get back into the space industry, so... I might as well just stay in it. This kind of enthusiasm for outer space runs throughout the new force. Captain Perry Van Zandt is part of the 57th Space Aggressor Squadron. It's rocket science, so so there's always going to be more we can learn. But the military's youngest branch has also been on the end of jokes. Netflix has been airing a sitcom called Space Force that makes fun of it. Colonel Eric Dormini, a director of information mobility for Space Operations Command, says this satire isn't anything new or different. Yeah, I think it's valuable to be able to kind of laugh at yourself a little bit, but that does not detract from the seriousness of the business that we do. The Netflix series was just canceled. The real Space Force remains, looking to add hundreds more military and civilian members. I'm Eric Schmid in Colorado Springs. That report was produced by the American Homefront Project, a public media collaboration that reports on American military life and veterans. Funding comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, a blend of computer science, statistics, and domain expertise. Learn more about University of California San Diego's online Master of Data Science program at omds.ucsd.edu.